0: you're listening to the Central City Assembly podcast. We're dedicated to sharing content that magnifies and multiplies Jesus for the good of our city and helps you grow in your love for Jesus. So enjoy this episode and may you be filled with the love of God the Father. Good morning, church family. How are you guys doing this morning? Man, thank you guys just for engaging in worship this morning. I just heard a wall of worship coming our way and it was so amazing and I know God was pleased by it. So just thank you for, for engaging. Um, so this is the second week of our series, The Art of Giving Up. Um, you might see some white flags in the seat backs in front of you and, and we're raising our white flag of surrender. Um, and the overall idea of the series is that the more we give up of self, the more we gain of God. The more we live a life of surrender, sacrifice, and service to God, the more satisfied we'll be in all areas of our lives. So my goal in this series is to give you the keys and the secrets to mastering the art of giving up. I want you to give up. I want you to. Um, I want us to be experts in giving up when it really matters and when it really counts. Because the last thing you want is to give up something that you should be holding on to and holding on to something that you should be giving up. And in that way, giving up is certainly an art form. And here's the key that I want to share with you this week to help you master the art of giving up. The key is in the form of a question. And it's a question that we should have at the forefront of our minds as we consider, when do I give up or not? And the question is this. Are you ready? Who's asking? Just say that right now. you got to say it in like a New England accent. Who's asking? Harness your inner mob boss and say, who's asking? Who's asking? Have you ever asked that question before? Um, I was, uh, this past week, I was in the the Taco Bell drive-thru. One, don't judge me, okay? Um, (laughs) Okay. And the, the, the person working asked if, if I wanted to give my change to charity. And the first thing I thought was, well, who's asking? Who's asking? Like, I know the, the, the woman working the register or whatever is asking, but behind that, um, what charity is asking me to give up my change? You know, I, I know it's only change. It's less than a dollar. Um, but I think this question is important because if it's, say, Planned Parenthood, no, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't want to give my change to you. Uh, if, if it's some other organization who has um, differing values and ideals than me that are, that are in conflict with mine and my faith, I, I don't want to give my money to them. I, I don't trust them to use the finances in a way that is glorifying to God and actually good for people. Right, who's asking? Uh, or when I was younger, Probably like many of you, we had a house phone, right? Not a cell phone, but a house phone that was connected to wires in the wall, right? You know what I'm talking about. Um, it It was a landline. In fact, my parents, they still have a landline, which I don't get because they have cell phones and the only people who ever call that line are bots and scam artists and telemarketers. But anyways, that's a different sermon. Anyways, um, growing up, we had to learn to properly answer the phone. Did anybody else go through phone etiquette and training? Um, there was an art to it, right? When someone called asking, hi, is Mr. Eilert or Mrs. Eylert home? You didn't just say, oh yeah, I'll, I'll go get them. Give me a, a moment. No, you were supposed to say, who's asking, right? Who wants to know? Um, or the, the polite way of saying that is, may I ask who's calling, please? Uh, because what if the person calling was someone that my parents didn't want to talk to? What if it was that relative who always only called when they needed help or something? Right? What if it was that unknown caller just trying to scam people? Right? Who's asking? But on the flip side of these, if the who, who is asking, is someone we know and trust... And sure, they can have my change. Sure, I'll talk to them on the phone for a while. Sure, I'll help you out financially, or um, I'll give up my ear to, to, to listen to whatever you have to say. And no, I know, not everyone who asks something of you is conniving and untrustworthy, but the point is, when you know who's asking, their character, their sincerity you are more likely to trust them with whatever it is they are asking of you. And last week, we, we talked about how the art of giving up starts with self-surrender, total self-surrender. Just as a reminder, Jesus says in Luke 9, 23, that if anyone would come after me, let him or her deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. If you want to be a follower of Jesus, he commands self-surrender or self-denial. Giving up of ourselves is not optional if we want to be followers of Jesus. And Jesus is asking us for total self-surrender. That is no small ask. That's a big ask. I said ask. Big ask. Anyways. And I would say, just like in any other scenario, that it is probably absolutely appropriate when Jesus asks for total self-surrender to evaluate who's asking. Who is this Jesus who's asking me to surrender everything to him, right? Who's asking to give up of myself? The art of giving up starts with self-surrender, but it helps to know who's asking and who we are surrendering to and why he is worthy of our self-surrender, And see, when you start asking that question, what you'll find, especially of God, is that he is trustworthy. We can trust God with our total self-surrender. And if we can trust God with our self-surrender, it makes the art of giving up that much easier. So today, the big question is, who's asking? Right, which is also the title of today's message. And and through that question, we're going to also find out why God is trustworthy of our self-surrender. Why do we struggle to trust God? And how do we grow in trusting God more in our lives so that we can surrender to him? Who's asking? All right, let's pray. Let's ask God to lead us and guide us this morning. Again, God, we're so grateful that you would invite us into this place. And God, we think we're here on our own control, but God, you've brought us here. And it is no mistake that each one of us is here this morning. You have something for us. Help us um, to to humble ourselves to receive everything that you have. God, would you build trust so we can trust you, God? Show us why you're trustworthy. Show us why why we can surrender everything to you and and we're going to be okay. So, God, we thank you for that. We love you. We say all of these things in Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. All right, turn to somebody sitting next to you with your best mob accent and say, who's asking? Who's asking? There's some pretty good ones out there. Yeah, this is good. So, so why should we trust God? Why should we trust God with our self-surrender? Right? Right? How do we know that God is trustworthy? What goes into evaluating whether or not someone can be trusted? Just take a moment, think about that for yourselves. Why do you trust the people that you trust? What are the qualifications? What are the standards, the expectations? What is it about them that makes them trustworthy? when I think about that, I I think of my amazing wife, Annette, where is Annette? Where is she? Uh, she ran away. Anyways, um, I still trust her, um, but I, I think Annette is incredibly trustworthy. All right, but why? Why? Well, for lots of hi, there you are. Hello. <laughs> um, but why? There are many reasons why I think she's trustworthy. She loves me. That's pretty important. She's caring. When she says she'll do something, she does it. She's responsible. She's not two-faced or hypocritical. She's authentic, right? And overall, she proves her trustworthiness. What an interest, entrance, right? Look at that. Um, yeah. All right. Now we're back to Jesus, not a net. All right. Back to Jesus. Okay. Um, but but yeah, she proves her trustworthiness. She doesn't talk badly about you behind your back. Um, now listen, she's not perfect, nor am I. None of us are, and we all fall short in our trustworthiness from time to time. But when I think of Annette, I see someone who's trustworthy, and you have people in your life who you see as trustworthy. Now, when I think of God, does he meet same expectations that I have to consider someone trustworthy? He does, but perfectly, perfectly. All right, and the bottom line is that it's in God's nature to be trustworthy. That's just who he is. Right? Because of sin, we cannot say the same thing about other people in our lives. Right? Being trustworthy and faithful is not in human nature. We have to learn the importance of being truthful and honest and faithful. But all of those are part of God's character. If our understanding of God is that he is holy, which means that he's perfect and he always does what is right, then he can be trusted. There, there's no other, he is trustworthy. He can't not be trustworthy. And I can't help but think, how many people in our lives can we say the same thing about? Right? How many people in our lives can we say are perfect and always do what is right? Let me help you out. The answer is zero. Zero. But still, we manage to put our trust in some imperfect people, and yet, we often struggle to trust a perfect God. And we'll talk more about why we struggle to trust God in a, in a moment. But the bottom line is that it is in God's nature to be trustworthy and faithful. In the book of Numbers, chapter 23, just a heads up, we're going to bounce around scripture today. And so what I would recommend is get out your phone or a piece of paper and write these scriptures down, the references. And then these would be great scripture to meditate on throughout this week, okay? Um, but here's Numbers, chapter 23, verse 19. It says, God is not man. Amen. Amen right that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind has he said and will he not do it or has he spoken and will he not fulfill it or what about lamentations chapter 3 verses 22 and 23 the steadfast love of the lord never ceases his mercies never come to an end they are new every morning great is your faithfulness sounds like a trustworthy person God's limitless power and steadfast love imply his complete faithfulness to us, which contrasts with human nature. And so it is in God's nature to be trustworthy, right? We can trust God because he is trustworthy. Now, if if you know anything about logic or argumentation, if you are an aspiring logician, not magician, my wife thought I said magician the other day, Um, if you're an aspiring logician like I want to be, um, then you realize that what I just said, that we can trust God because he is trustworthy, that's called a circular argument, right? And a circular argument is when you begin with what you are trying to end with. And those kinds of arguments are not very convincing. So why would I say that about God? Another example of of a circular argument, if you're trying to wrap your mind around it, is is like this one. 18-year-olds have the right to vote because it is legal for them to vote. Both of those statements might be true, but how how do they relate? I need more answers. Or what about this one? Um, You must obey the law because it is illegal to break the law. Valid. But I need more information. What if the law is unjust or discriminatory, right? Circular arguments aren't very convincing. And people often use circular reasoning because it is logically valid, but also because they don't want to do the work to prove that what they are saying is correct. And so saying that we can trust God because he is trustworthy is a circular argument. But get this, God actually does the work of showing that he is trustworthy. Or the way I like to say it is that God is a show and tell God. Being trustworthy and faithful isn't just in his nature. He doesn't just tell us that he's trustworthy. He shows us time and time and time again. He shows us he's trustworthy by the way he loves us unconditionally. God shows us he's trustworthy by the way he uses his power and his strength, not for his own benefit, but for ours. And both of those examples are exemplified in the person, our Lord and Savior Jesus, who who gave total self-surrender on the cross for us. God has shown his trustworthiness through his power, love, wisdom, provision, and, and so much more. Or what about God's promises that we see fulfilled? God promised Abraham that he would be a father of many nations. And despite the delay and Abraham's own impatience and his own unfaithfulness, God was faithful to his promise. God promised King David that one of his offspring would take over his throne and build the temple. And in spite of David's times of unfaithfulness, God still fulfilled his promise to King Solomon who sat on the throne and built the temple, right? Or, or what about the many prophecies of the Messiah, which are like promises? Jesus fulfilled more than 100 prophecies that were made about him before, in, in 400 to 1,500 years before his birth. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, Paul says this. He says, for all the promises of God find their yes in him, Jesus. That is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. God is a show and tell God. And while I think it is enough for a perfect God to simply say he's trustworthy, he doesn't have to prove that, but I'm thankful that he does. Because again, his trustworthiness isn't for his own sake, it's for us, for our favor, our blessing. And many of the Psalms talk about when we put our trust and faith in God, then blessing follows. It's for us. And so when we hear this call for total self-surrender, and when we respond with who's asking, right, our our questions lead us to a perfect and loving God who proves his trustworthiness. Like that friend or family who, who asks something of us. And we're happy to do so because we know them. They've proven themselves trustworthy. And so the art of giving up, the art of self-surrender, it becomes so much easier when we know who we're surrendering to. And so if our question of who's asking in the context of self-surrender, if it points to a, a completely trustworthy God, why do we struggle so much to trust him? Why do we struggle to let go of the reins of our life and and let him lead and guide us? When we see clear guidance in in scripture to live life a certain way, why do we live a different way? And I think there are many reasons for this, uh, but there are three that I want to focus in on today. Just three. Three reasons why we struggle to trust God that all of us can probably relate to. And so if you're taking notes, the first is simply this. We think we know better, Mm, right? We think we know better. I mean, I know who I am. I know my personality. I know my likes, my dislikes. I know what I'm capable of and not capable of. I know my strengths. I know my weaknesses. I know my dreams and goals better than anyone. Am I supposed to trust someone else to get me to where I want to go? We think we know better, which, let's be honest, leads to trust issues in our lives, right? Not just of God, but with other people. And I can understand having trust issues with other sinful people, right? No other person knows me better than myself. And it's hard to trust other people with such big things like dreams and goals. But guess what? We can't say the same thing about God because he knows us better than we know ourselves, Jesus said that God knows the number of the hairs on your head. Do you know the number of hairs on your head? So we're like, they're not enough. I know that for sure. Right? We can estimate, but we can't get the exact number. God can. Or also in in Jeremiah, it says that God knows our future. Do you know your future? We can speculate, but God knows exactly Or in Psalm chapter 139, it says that God formed you and knitted you together in your mother's womb. God knows you better than you know yourself. Which is why King Solomon, David's son, the wisest man in scripture next to Jesus, he wrote in Proverbs chapter three, verses five and six. He said, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths, right? Not only does God know you better than you do, he flat out knows better than you do. He just does, right? So you can trust him with your entire life. Right? So the second reason why I think we struggle to trust God, it goes back to our overall question of who's asking. And simply put, we don't know the answer to that as well as we should, right? We don't know God as well as we should. Not because he hasn't revealed his character and nature to us, but because we don't do the work to get to know him. All right, we don't work on our relationship enough and build intimacy with him enough to really know him. I mean, one of the reasons I trust Annette so much is because she knows me so well and I know her so well. We've done the work and we continue to do the work of knowing each other. And and I feel like the more we know each other, the more we accept each other and all of our strengths and weaknesses, the more we're gonna trust each other. Maybe it's the same for you. You have that person in your life who just they know you and you trust them. Right? You trust your spouse, your family member, that that friend of yours because you know them. And it's the same for our relationship with God. You can't trust who you don't know. You can, it's not a very good idea right? And, and the more you know who God is and what he's done for you, right? Then the more you're going to trust him. I love this verse, Psalm 9, chapter 10. This is a good one to underline write down and go read later. But Psalm 9, verse 10 says this, and those who know your name put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Which also is saying that when you seek God, He's going to reveal himself to you. He makes it easy for you to know him. The more you know God, the more you'll trust him. The third reason why I think we struggle to trust God is that we don't practice trust. We don't practice trust. Like I said earlier, we have to learn the importance of being honest and truthful. But we also have to learn to trust others. How many of us have experienced that before? Right? And trust between two imperfect individuals involves risk. Right? What if they break my trust? What if they do something that I don't like? But if you want to trust someone, you can't just say it over and over for it to be true. Right? You have to give them something to prove their trust to you. Right? You start with something small, and if they prove themselves, you progressively entrust them with more. Right? We know that, right? And the same is true in our relationship with God. Ideally, we shouldn't have to practice trusting God. Ideally, we should recognize in Scripture and and the evidence in our own lives that God is totally trustworthy. And we should just always trust him with everything. But we all know that that's not true in our lives. We struggle. But if you want to trust God more, you can't just say you trust him over and over again for it to be true. Just like God doesn't just tell us he's trustworthy, he shows us he's trustworthy, we too can't just tell God we trust him. We have to show him that we trust him. And I think it's okay to start small with trusting God more. I think it's, it's okay that we're going to grow more in our trust of God. I think it'll take time to trust God, but you have to start somewhere. Not just with your words, but with your actions. And so what are some ways that we can grow in trusting God? How can we practice trusting God? Well, first, we need to recognize this really important thing. And it's that trusting God is an on-the-way process. And I think this is something foundational in, in, in the Bible. That a lot of just being a follower of God, follower of Jesus, is an on-the-way thing. We, we don't see in Scripture where someone said to God, prove to me that you are who you say you are, then I'll trust you, and then I'll follow you. You actually, we often see the other way. Like with the disciples. Many of them, they did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah right away. But they didn't wait until Jesus proved himself to follow him. Like authors of the gospel, like Mark, he says that when Jesus said, follow me, Mark's favorite word, they immediately dropped everything and followed Jesus. And then on the way, they learned and they trust Jesus as the Messiah. So building trust is an on the way process. Say yes to him and he will prove himself trustworthy to you. He will. but, But on the way, here are some things that you can do to practice building your trust in God. Let me just say, none of these are groundbreaking. You've heard every single one of these that I'm going to share with you this morning. And so you probably already know, oh, I know what he's going to say. There are three things he's going to say. Watch, I'm going to put money, say $100 that he is going to say these things, and you're going to win lots of money. All right? So, so the first thing that we need to do to build trust with God is read God's word, shocking, right? Read God's word. Reading scripture is a trust building exercise, right? It is thousands and thousands of years old. It's sometimes hard to understand, right? But the more you read the word, the more you're going to know God, like we just talked about. The more you'll read about his faithfulness to his people, which means that he'll be faithful to you also, In his second letter to Timothy, Paul says that Timothy's faith, his trust in God is so strong because he has a firm grasp of scripture. That's what Paul points to. The word of God also transforms us in so many ways, which means that it can even transform us from doubting God to trusting God. And Jesus' final prayer to God before going to the cross. In John 17, 17, he said this, God, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Right? That sanctifying means to be transformed into the likeness, the holiness of Jesus, who is full of faith and trust in God. So read God's word. Another way you can practice trust is through, what do you think it's going to be? Prayer. That's right. Prayer. Groundbreaking. Right? Prayer, um, in Psalm chapter 3, verse 4, it says, I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. If you pray and God answers, that is a reason to trust him. Right? Now, does God always answer our prayers in the way that we want him to answer? No. And we should be thankful for that. Because if God always answered all of our prayers the way we wanted him to, it would be like that scene from Bruce Almighty. Right When he gets the power of God, but his, he like communicates prayer through email, and he gets tired of trying to answer all these emails, so he just replies all with yes, and then chaos ensues. I think that's actually true. What would happen? right? But the fact that God would even answer when we cry to him, a perfect God that would answer imperfect people, no matter what the answer is, is an undeserved blessing for us and should build our trust in him. So number two, we can also practice trust through, any takers, any guesses? Praise and worship. Praise and worship. We see stories of this in scripture. Like when when God told King Jehoshaphat and Israel to worship instead of fight against the oncoming enemy. God said, worship and I will fight your battle for you. So all of Israel right as their enemies are approaching outnumbered right they laid down their weapons fell to their knees and they worshiped they sang praises to God and you know the story God sent an angel and wiped out the enemy army and as Israel worshiped do you think Israel's trust in God grew through their praise and worship in that moment absolutely And I can't tell you how many times I've been stressed and worried about things in my life, but when I surrendered in worship and praise in those moments, God moved. He he calmed my heart, soul, and mind. For a lot of you this morning, as you came into worship, God renewed that trust in your mind of him, right? Right? He reminds me of, of who he is and what he's done in my life. And, and through praise and worship, I remember to trust him again. And it doesn't have to be through, through song. You can go out in nature and just see the magnitude of creation. And like, wow, if God can do that, he can take care of me. I trust him. Right? It, whatever it is for you. But praise and worship is a practice of trust. All right, what about this one? Tithing. Tithing. Tithing is a great trust-building exercise. Simply put, God says, give me 10% of your earnings, and I will bless you. And from what I see in our church family, you are building trust in God, and he is blessing you. I am so encouraged. How many of you just continually and faithfully give to God? And I'm hearing stories from from many of you. I didn't want to tithe. I didn't trust God with my money. But when I started to, he proved himself faithful to me, right? Tithing is a great trust-building exercise. And one more way to practice trust is through responding to the Holy Spirit. Responding to the Holy Spirit. If you are a follower of Jesus, then you have the Holy Spirit living inside you right now. And Jesus promised that he would send his Holy Spirit to his followers, and that the Holy Spirit would be our helper in life. So guess what? If you are a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit is moving in your life as we speak, and he is offering his help and assistance to you as we speak. Sometimes that help looks like wisdom beyond your years for a certain situation. Sometimes that help looks like healing, deliverance, or or courage to do something difficult that you're facing. And sometimes that help is just a, a slight nudge from the Holy Spirit, a sense or a feeling that maybe you need to turn left instead of right, Uh, an urge to call or text that friend or family member you haven't talked to in a while, or sometimes that nudge is more like a push. Go pray for that person right now. Give that person that $100 in your wallet right now. You're like, ah, do I respond to that or no? Right? And when you respond to the prompting of the Holy Spirit, and you see how he moves through it, man, does it build trust in God. Man, I've experienced all of those examples I've just given. I felt like I needed to pray for someone, felt like I needed to call or text someone, felt like I needed to turn left or right, felt like I needed to give someone the $100 bill in my wallet, and I was like, are you crazy, God? But I did it, and you know what God did? He moved through it. He blessed somebody through it when I had no idea what he wanted to do. And he usually blesses me in the process also. And the more you respond to the Holy Spirit in that way, the more you will build trust in God, I promise you. Right. And the the point, again, is that trust needs to be practiced. Trust is not just a conceptual thing. It's a practical thing. You can't just say or think, God, I trust you, all right? You have to practice it, not just with people, but with God too. He's a show and tell God when it comes to proving his trustworthiness. And we should be show and tell people when it comes to trusting him. So as we wrap things up, and you can come on up. Have you found it difficult to surrender all to God? I, I have every day. Does total self-surrender seem like this impossible thing to do? What we all have to consider is maybe it's because we haven't gotten to the bottom of who's asking. Right? The art of giving up starts with self-surrender, but it helps to know who you're surrendering to. And when you get to the bottom of that question, who's asking, you find that it's a perfect and loving, and totally trustworthy God. He doesn't just tell us he's trustworthy, he shows us time and time again. And we can be encouraged that God's trustworthiness isn't just for him, it's for us, our blessing, our favor. And if we are willing to do the work to get to know God well, to do the work of practicing trusting him, then I promise you trust will grow And we'll find self-surrender, the art of giving up that much easier. Amen. And I'll just close with this passage from Psalm chapter 33, verses 28 through 22. And really, this is just an incredible prayer that you can pray every single day. But the psalmist says, our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield for our heart is glad in him because we trust in his holy name. Let your steadfast love, O oh Lord, be upon us, even as we hope in you. Amen. Amen. And so what I want to do is I just want to give you four questions to think about, and we'll take just a little bit of time right now um, before we leave and get out of this place and enter into our busy lives and forget what we just talked about. The four questions that you can meditate on right now. Um, so go ahead and throw those up, Luke. You can take a picture of these if you'd like or write them down quickly. The first one is in what ways do you trust God? Number two, in what ways has trusting God been a struggle for you? Number three, how has God proven himself trustworthy to you in your life? And number four, how will you practice trusting God this week? So maybe you just pick one of those and just in this space, in this moment of reflection, just ask God to search you. Ask God to speak to you through these questions. And just spend a little bit of time of of getting to know him a little bit better before we leave this place. And then we'll, we'll go into communion after that, but just take a few moments. Thank you for listening. If you are blessed by this episode and would like to help us create more content that magnifies and multiplies Jesus, would you consider giving a financial gift of any amount today? Whatever you give will go towards building the kingdom of God in the lives of people all over the world. Thank you for your support and we pray many blessings over you.